To study theology is not so much an academic endeavor as it is a relational endeavor. It is the study of God himself, what he has revealed to us about his character and his nature, who we are and how we connect with him. And these foundational Christian doctrines are not something new with our generation. For nearly 2,000 years, the church has been built upon the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and prophets as written in God's word. When we do theology, we are joining together with the generations of the church that have gone before us in declaring the timeless truths of God. This has always been about a relationship. It's always been about love. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who is Jesus? He's the Savior. He's anointed as prophet because he comes to declare the truth of God. No one else ever hung upon a cross and bore my sins and carried them far away. No one else was ever laid in a grave and came up on the third day for my justification. So that all those who come to Christ may enter in. So that all those who place faith in Christ might be saved, but not only saved, but sanctified. If you came here this morning seeking religion, you came to the wrong building. Morning, Rice City. How are y'all? Good. Thank you. I'm good. You never ask. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm good. I'm actually fighting a, a cough and a cold. I've got young kids, so it feels like I never don't have a cough or cold, and neither do they, so forgive me. <clears throat> uh, I want to begin today actually just by praying. Um, because I feel that today represents a moment for our, our family, our community today, uh, and I feel uh, helpless in my own flesh to step into that moment. So I'm going to ask the Spirit of God for help. Will you join me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. Holy Spirit, come. Come into this moment. Come into this chapter of our church. Speak through me. Leave out the things that are me. Focus on the things that are from you. And Holy Spirit, speak to us, minister to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by asking a couple of questions for you all. The first is, what kind of church do you want? The second is, what kind of faith do you want? And those questions are not meant to be preferential questions. I'm not actually as interested in your preferences. I would prefer it if our, our worship was more metal. Uh, I would prefer it if we had pips every week. But we don't always get our preferences at church, right? Pips are expensive. Some of you need to give, okay? <clears throat> <laughs> what I mean is, what kind of church and what kind of faith do you want to experience what kind of church and what kind of faith would you like to experience? When I read the scriptures, when I read the New Testament and the story of the church, not reading as a professional Christian, but just reading with childlike eyes, simple cursory reading, I see a church in the New Testament that fills me with wonder as well as a little bit of fear. It fills me with wonder and a little bit of fear. I see signs and wonders and healings. I see cultural impact 
and artistic legacy. I see demonic deliverance. I see fruits of the personal character and virtue in individuals. People repenting and coming back to God in droves. I see individuals dying for their faith, practicing radical generosity, using spiritual gifts, all devoted to a hidden life that unleashes power in their public life. And I see a church that I've tasted but have not fully known. I see a faith that I've tasted but also have not fully known. But because I've tasted it, it leaves me hungry for more. And that hunger leads me to ask that question, is that kind of church and that kind of faith that we read about in the scriptures possible for you and I today? And when I ask that question, I'm able to face that I have a holy discontent. Not an ungratitude for what God has done. I'm grateful for what he's done. But a discontent wanting him to do even more. Anyone else? I wonder today if some of you share in my discontent. If you allowed yourself to be honest, perhaps some of you would say your faith is a structure of belief rather than an experiential reality in your real life. Are you bored with your faith today? Are you bored with your faith today? Do you want a life? This is what I want. Do you want a life and a faith that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit moving in power? When other people look at your life, that's the only logical conclusion that something else is in him or her and he moves in power through them. That's what I want. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Pneumatology, the root word there is pneuma, the spirit, the breath of God. We love the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. Now, even as I say the words Holy Spirit in this room, some of you shudder, and I get it, because I, for many years, shuddered too when the guy up front said the words Holy Spirit. Maybe you're expecting me to pull out some snakes or some flags, and you're absolutely right. I'm going to grab those right now. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> I couldn't get a permit. couldn't get the snakes down here. It seems like in the Western church, we're presented with two options for church and the Holy Spirit, Okay. Two kinds of churches with two different trinities, if you will. On one side, we have a church defined by the trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Bible, which is not the trinity. On the other side, we have a trinity defined by Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and my feelings. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point, okay? On one hand, we have the elevation of the intellect, but the Bible becomes only a means for theological alignment, 
not joy-filled, transformational experience. On the other hand, in the other kind of church, the Bible is a source for pep talks, mostly taken out of context, and nothing is grounded in intelligence or transcendent truth. And the great irony, and I need you all to hear me today, the great irony of both sides is that they both point to each other and say, look at all the abuse, look at all the abuse. There's abuse in both sides. I don't know what your church background is today, Holy Spirit background or Bible background, abuse happens in both. But what if we could strike a balance, not to be perfect, but to be the real thing? What if we could be a community of head and heart? What if we could be a community of spirit and truth, love for the Bible and love for the Holy Spirit, thinking and feeling, teaching and worship, gospel truth with gospel power, sanctification of character and healing of the physical body, knowledge of God as well as experience with God. When I read the Bible, that is what I see. That is the real thing. And God has done so much in this church already. Weeks ago, we celebrated our nine-year anniversary. It's so beautiful and good to honor and celebrate what he has done. But what he has done always moves me to ask, what can you do even more? What can, where, how far can we go? And I believe in this matter, with the spirit and the mind, we can show the world a third way. We can be a spirit-filled church with minds and intellects on fire. We can become this kind of church grounded in truth and moving in power. Anyone else want that today? Yeah. I'm desperate for that. So here's what I want to do today. Today is actually going to be simple in some ways. I want to give us a broad look at the Holy Spirit through Scripture. Then I want to give us a theological foundation of the Holy Spirit and then give us a few points of application in the midst of that. Sound good? Now, let me give you a preface. It dawned on me a week ago as I was trying to craft a sermon describing the third person of the Godhead that I have some limits <clears throat> in teaching you about the third person of the Godhead. That's a joke. It's a, it's a big thing, okay? <laughs> so my goal today, just so we're clear, is not to give you everything to know about the Holy Spirit I'm not smart enough, it's above my pay grade. I'm <laughs> for real, actually, though. My goal today is to spark in you wonder and hunger for more. And if I do that, that's a win for me today. Let's start with giving a biblical look at the Holy Spirit. Let's see the whole of Scripture through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give another preface I'm going to read a lot of verses to you today, and I'm definitely taking a risk as a communicator in doing that, but here's my point. Let me give you my point right before we start, okay? My point is this, that the Holy Spirit 
is not the weird uncle of the Trinity. <laughs> he is not the weird uncle who shows up to the Christmas gathering uninvited, but he's family, so we can't tell him to leave. I'm sorry, uncles. I'm an uncle too. I should lay off. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not the weird uncle of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not a weird part of Scripture that weird Christians latch onto. The Holy Spirit is the main character of the Bible because he is God. Are you with me? That's what we're going to do today. That's my point for, for this moment. So we start on the first page and the first words with creation. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God creates the world, hovering over chaos and brings light and life. But if you know the Genesis story, you know what happens next. Mankind is created, and we fall, and we sin. And not only are we removed from the perfect garden, we're, moved, we're removed from the perfect presence. The presence is the biggest part of the fall. The eyes of Adam and Eve were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence from the Spirit of the Lord God. And thus begins the epic story of God working to restore his world as well as his people to his presence. Not just to the perfection of what the garden was, but to him in relationship with his presence. Exodus 31, not a very well-known story, Bezalel and Aholiab, are filled with the Holy Spirit, not to preach a sermon, but filled with the Holy Spirit to do artistic wonders as they crafted the tabernacle temple. The Holy Spirit fills artists and gives them artistic vision and creativity that was not their own. We need more of that happening in the church these days. The Spirit fills rulers of God's kingdom, Gideon, in Judges 6, is a weak and fearful man. The Spirit fills him, and all of a sudden, he leads God's people with courage into battle. Samson, the Holy Spirit, gives him strength and power to break his chains. Saul and David were anointed with the Holy Spirit before they were anointed as kings. The Spirit fills the prophets of the Old Testament. In Isaiah, Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. What's happening already, if you're following the big picture story, the meta theme is God moving towards his people. The defining mark of God's people is not circumcision, it's not the laws, it is the presence of God with them. 
Moses in Exodus 33 says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Theologian Gordon Fee says, more even than the law and other identity markers such as circumcision, food laws, and Sabbath observance, God's presence with Israel distinguished them as his people. Every other God in human history maintains a healthy separation from us and them, don't they? Our God pursues in his presence for relationship. But here's a tension we're supposed to see and feel when we're reading the Old Testament. The presence of God is moving from a garden to a burning bush to a pillar of fire to a tabernacle tent in the wilderness and then in a little box in a temple just to be with us. The presence of God fills men like David as well as men like Saul and Samson. Not all exactly stellar citizens of their time. The Spirit anoints select kings and prophets and artists, but he does not fill all of God's people. We are supposed to feel this tension in the Scriptures. The Old Testament narrative presents a problem. The world cannot be rebuilt to its garden state, nor can the human heart be restored unless we have the presence of God. Unless we have the presence of God in all of God's people all of the time, this thing won't get rebuilt. We need the ongoing, continuous, ever-present presence. The prophets culminate through the words of Joel as he says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. One day this tension will be resolved. And now we get to Jesus. Now it starts to get good. Before Jesus is even born, there is an increase filling in people of the Holy Spirit. Something is about to happen. As the angel talks to Mary and says, you will bear the Messiah, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby in her womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus' ministry, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus' ministry. Before Jesus begins any ministry, Jesus himself receives the Holy Spirit. As he is baptized to inaugurate his ministry, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the water like a dove. Not as a dove, like a dove. Here's what's happening here. What happens at the beginning? The Spirit is hovering over the water, about to create life. Jesus comes on the scene, is baptized, and now the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters again. He's about to do a new recreation through this man. That gives me chills every time. He's hovering over the waters again. Jesus proclaims of himself that he is a model for the future church 
to do ministry, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He quotes Isaiah saying, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Just pause with me for a second. Jesus, who is God, could accomplish this whole redemption thing by speaking it into existence, but chooses to model a way where he is filled with the Holy Spirit for the people who would come after him. That's interesting. Then Jesus gives the, prof, the, um, the disciples some bad news. Jesus prophesies that he will leave in his physical body. He will no longer be present, but for some reason that will be for our benefit. But now I am going to him who sent me. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is better, it is for your benefit that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit. We're almost done. Are you with me? We're tracking? You're almost done. You're doing good. Then we get to Pentecost. The resurrected Jesus is walking with his disciples and he says, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even Portland and Gresham. That's the NIV. <laughs> the Spirit falls. It is unleashed to all the apostles and all the disciples. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's one more character I want to bring up today another character who God has filled with his Holy Spirit. It's you. It's you. It's me. We have a part to play. We have a chance to write a chapter in this story. Romans 8, Paul says, The Spirit of God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Amen. The next person in the story is in the room, in your chair. It's you. I want to just let that sit in this moment for a second. I think many of us know that, but do we really know that? The, spirit, the story of the Spirit in scriptures is a messy, beautiful story of pursuit from our God. It's mankind sinning, forgetting, running, and hiding from the presence of God. Then it's God still pursuing through whispers, through fire, through clouds, through artists, through prophets and kings. But now the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. He's in the room with you and I right now. We now live in the time where the Spirit has been poured out. 
What a time to be alive. When's the last time you said that? When I watch the news, I don't quickly say that. But when I remind myself of this reality, I can say that again. What a time to be alive. He is in us now. So if you're following with me so far, the next question is, who is the Holy Spirit? How do I know him more? I'm gonna give you a brief theology of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. And because he is God, we cannot say that we love Jesus or God the Father and not say we love the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son, yet he will never do anything in contradiction to their character and who they are. Two, the Holy Spirit is a person. I'm a young adults pastor, so I'm really up on movies. Has anyone heard of that movie called Star Wars? <laughs> I think it's going to get pretty big. I don't know. Also, I'm speaking, when I say the word Star Wars, I am talking about the first three. Yeah. Maybe the last, th the three after that, Liam Neeson <laughs> pushes it into the canon. But the other is I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's probably the hardest thing I'm going to say to you today. Those last ones are not in the canon. <clears throat> but in the old movies, in the Star Wars story, the force has a lot of similarities to the Holy Spirit. It brings power. It enables people in the story to do things they couldn't normally do. The biggest difference is this. The force in the Star Wars movies is a power to be accessed. The Holy Spirit is a person to know. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. He is not a power that we wield. He is a person we do relationship with. And the power flows from relationship. The Holy Spirit has feelings and emotions. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit groans for the world to be made right. One of the things that grieves the Holy Spirit the most is, that when, is when we in the church divide. When this family fractures is when the Holy Spirit is grieved. And I wonder what would happen to guard our community if we were oriented to be upset by the things that grieves the Spirit, not the things that grieves us in our flesh. What would that do for unity in this family? Number three, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit if you are compromising with sin in your life. I love to buy books. Occasionally, I like to read the books I buy. <laughs> oh, am I not alone? <clears throat> I'm trying. We're all growing. Okay. I do love to buy books, occasionally read them. Um, but as I buy books, we have a small house and we have limited bookshelves. My wife will occasionally say to me as the next Amazon order comes, hey, what books are you getting rid of for these books to make their way on the shelf? Kindly. She says that kindly. And I say, okay, right. And I just store them in the back here at Rise waiting for a bigger bookshelf one day. <laughs> the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin is similar. This is not a call to perfection so you can have the Holy Spirit. 
But this is a reality that the more things we take off that are not of him, that are sin, that are distractions, the more he will fill us. If you're walking with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, but there are levels to which he will fill you and empower you that is dependent on you emptying the bookshelf of the other things that are not of him. That's all I mean. This is not a call to perfection or legalism. It's a call of trajectory. Every week, every day, are we taking another sin off so he can fill that space? That's the call. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Number four, the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our helper. The comforter is always with us, present for you, And this is perhaps the most feel-good theological point, that he is the comforter and the helper, right? But if we're honest about this, we have to begin to ask, what things do we run to in our life to comfort us that are not the Holy Spirit? What things do we run to in our life to comfort us that are not him? Substances, distraction, fantasy football, whatever it is for you, I'm not hating, just (laughs) what is it for you that is the comfort, the pragmatic thing you run to to be okay that is not him? I want to key in on a specific thing that I was convicted about this week that I think our community needs to hear. I want to speak to the parents in the room for a moment. (laughs) I'm a parent too. Don't say, "Uh uh-oh, it's for me as well. I've got three kids, a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a four-month-old. I'm in it. I'm in it. But something I am asking myself all the time is, in my parenting, am I running to the Spirit of God for comfort or am I running to a screen? And, and again, please don't hear legalism right now that if, you aren't, if you're showing your kids movies, they're watching movies on the screen, that you're doing a bad job today. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that if you're a follower of Jesus and you want your children to follow after him too, You cannot not be intentional with this stuff. And I wouldn't say this so directly if I didn't think this was a matter of literal life and death in the souls of our children right now. Because you know that the people who make this stuff don't let their kids use it. Do you know that there are people who have aligned themselves with demonic ideologies are pumping in content to these And so when we are in that moment and you're tired and you're fed up, because I've been there too, I'm there almost every day, what do we choose to do? It is easy and sometimes it's a gift to put them in front of a screen. But this is forming them. There's a lot of big spiritual battles in our time right now. This is the most important battle that we face in the room today. I'm convinced. This is attacking your kids' souls as well as their intelligence. And every month we get data points and articles from the scientific community proving what we've all been feeling all along. It is not good. So here's my call for the parents in the room and for me as well. Run to Jesus. Run to the Holy Spirit. He is with you in your parenting. And guess what? If you're my age or older, you grew up and you didn't have these things and you were bored and look at you now. 
you're okay. I hope you hear my heart today. I'm with you. But this is the battle of our age. This is the battle of our kids' souls right now. And you have the Holy Spirit right there in the room with you. When you're feeling annoyed, when you need a break, he is with you. He is our comforter. Five, the Spirit brings signs of God's coming kingdom through gifts and miracles. The Spirit brings signs of God's coming kingdom through gifts and miracles. I want to state something just definitively today. The Spirit moves in miraculous power today. There is nothing, there is not a serious biblical argument, in my opinion, that says that the Spirit somehow, after he was, after this tension has been building through the Old Testament, he is poured out. There's nothing I see to indicate that it suddenly stopped being poured out. The Spirit moves in power today, but for some reason, we don't see it very well. When Jesus healed, and when the Holy Spirit heals others through us right now, when the miraculous happens, a portal is being opened to show that his kingdom is on the move and coming. In Romans 8, Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for the full kingdom of God to come. It is clearly not fully come. The resurrection of Jesus was the beginning of the revolution. It was the beginning of the end of the kingdom of darkness. And when the Spirit moves in miraculous power, which, can I just say, is factually hard to argue that he doesn't, what is happening in those moments is a supernatural moment where Jesus is breaking through to say, I am coming. Jesus healing, speaking, prophesying in the church over other people, not only to bless that person, not only to bless the church, but to say, I have put the down payment down. You are experiencing the first fruit, and one day you'll experience all the fruit. Have you ever wondered that if healing is real, when people get healed or a prophecy happens, we still live in this broken world? If you've experienced healing from the Holy Spirit, you're probably still going to die. The point of that moment is Jesus and his love and grace saying miraculously, I am with you and I am coming. That is what is happening in those moments. Six, the Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of God. The Holy Spirit moves people to action. It moves people, he moves people to impact in the world around them. The Holy Spirit shakes things up in our lives and in the church. And if our faith is just a set of mental beliefs, 
that kind of thinking does not jive well with the Holy Spirit and his messiness. The Holy Spirit is on the move in our world. Years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I worked at the Portland Rescue Mission downtown. I know you're all from Gresham, you never go downtown, but it's the Portland Rescue Mission is that last historical building, the first historical building when you cross the Burnside Bridge, right on the right, that big building there. I was a young man in my early 20s, and I worked there during a night shift on the weekend, and I have some stories and some scars. And I had this friend named Joe who we, we got to know each other when I started working there. And Joe suffered from either, I'll leave some uncertainty here because I don't know his diagnosis, either had severe demonic possession or split personality disorder or probably a little bit of both. And Joe would have these fits where he would go into a rage, not hurt anyone, but not make you feel safe either. Do you know what I mean? And Joe was my height, my height, and twice my weight. He was an Alaskan native. He was just pure muscle. And so when Joe had these fits, it was really scary. Now, when I worked at the mission, I sat in a little bulletproof office in the middle of this lobby that would serve people coming in and out. And courageously, Joe, as Joe was having one of these moments in the lobby, I courageously, in the bulletproof office, <laughs> say to him, Joe, Joe, you have to stop. You cannot do that here. Joe didn't respond to me, but he was able to hear me through whatever was going on, and he, he left the building. And I was very grateful. <laughs> but Joe left his bag of things. And if you, are, if you know the homeless houses community, your stuff sometimes represents your life. And I had this split-second moment where I felt the Holy Spirit well up in me, asking me, do you want to obey or disobey? And I quickly said, obey. <laughs> Didn't really think it through. I just was answering to the question. And I exited the bulletproof glass closet, entered the lobby, grabbed the bag of stuff, exited the building, called out to him, Joe, Joe, you forgot your stuff. And Joe, still in the middle of his fit and screaming, comes back to me, grabs the bag, puts it down, grabs my neck, and lifts me up against the building. I'm laughing. It was a long time ago. It's okay. You can laugh. <laughs> It's easy to lift me up against the building, okay? <laughs> Lifts me up against the building and cocks back for a punch. And thankfully, I had built a lot of great relationships back then. So I had like 10 guys immediately stand up, say, put him down right now. It was good. I'm still here <laughs> talking to you today. So it, it turned out really well. But Joe put me down and we had to remove him from our service list because he had effectively assaulted me. And then I asked the Lord, Lord, you had me do that. You moved me to a place of compassion for him, and this is what happens? What's going on here, Holy Spirit? The next day, Joe came back, asked to speak to me, and I said yes, because I was back in the bulletproof office. <laughs> and he comes up to me, and there's like a little window you can open up, and he just starts saying, hey, man, I'm going through some stuff, and what I did to you yesterday was wrong, and I'm really sorry. And he asked me just vulnerably for forgiveness. He owned his stuff. 
And I said, absolutely, I forgive you. And he said, would you pray for me? And I exited the bulletproof glass, put my hand around him, and we prayed together and we cried together that day. Because I'm groaning for a day where Joe can be delivered. And the Spirit is groaning for the same. I share that story not to just be sensational with you, but to say that when the Spirit asks you to move, he will call you to things that really scare you. That really scared me. But he was able to move through my obedience that day. And here's the last point connected to that story. The Holy Spirit embodies the heart of Jesus. Whenever the Holy Spirit is at work, people are encountering the love of God. The Spirit leads people to freedom, not condemnation. The Spirit comes with the heart and posture of Jesus, who is gentle, who loves perfectly, and who never uses his power for abuse. And some of you are coming today, and the reason you feel uncomfortable with this talk on the Holy Spirit is because you've experienced spiritual abuse. And I just need to say, you probably know this already, but I'm gonna say it, that is not the heart of Jesus nor the true spirit of God. That's the spirit of man posturing in authority. I'm sorry you've been hurt, but please don't throw out God in the process. I wanna end with a statement for you today. Power comes with the presence. And that is why the Holy Spirit is so messy. We are in a power struggle in the spiritual realm, and the Spirit brings power to the table. Make no mistake. We must become a people and a church who are marked by the presence moving in the power. We need to be a church moving in power, not just believing the right things. Because there is a power at work right now in our culture, in our time, doing a lot of damage The kingdom of darkness seems to have a great foothold in our culture and time right now. We need to move in the power. And when we engage with the power, when we engage with the person of the Holy Spirit, for your life and for this church, I am telling you, things will get messier than they are now. They will. But do you know what? It's messy in the nursery, and it's tidy in the graveyard. The nursery is where the kids are screaming, crying, pooping, and spitting up. But that's where the life is. When the Spirit is bringing life, he brings mess with it. Are you, as a church, ready for the mess of life of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It's messy in the nursery, and it's tidy in the graveyard. I want a church, a life, and a faith that can only be explained by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I want people to look at my life, our church, your life, and say, I know them, whatever that was, was not them, what's going on? I'd like to invite us into a moment today as a church. Um, If you'd be willing to, would you stand with me? What I'd like to do is I'd like to pray a prayer of invitation to the Holy Spirit today for our church. And this feels like a moment for our church to 
say that or declare to the Lord that we intend to be a church showing people the third way, spirit and truth, love and power. So if you are longing for more of the Holy Spirit in our ministry and in our lives, if you resonate with that and you would like to invite the Spirit here with me, would you hold your hands like this as a physical posture of receiving and desire for him? And I'm just gonna pray a prayer of invitation to the Spirit of God for him to come today and mark our church with a deeper messiness and more life than we could imagine. Spirit of the living God, come here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are God in the midst of us. Holy Spirit, we welcome the messy, life-giving ministry you will bring. We see how you have moved in this church in these last nine years, and we say, God, we are hungry and discontent for even more. Would you come fill the room this morning? Would you fill our hearts? Would you fill our lives? God, we confess that we as a family and as a church in our own selves have nothing to bring. But you can fill us and move in power. And we invite you to do that. Holy Spirit, we as a community turn a new chapter today. And we say we are ready to go and find this new way, pioneer this new way that honors people in their mind as well as their heart, that moves in power of your spirit and the truth of your word together. We want the real thing, Jesus. We invite you into our church, into this family, and we say, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to where you are on the move. We live in the land of darkness. Our land is dry and broken and weary and thirsty for you. People are dying, Father, and they need your life and your truth. And you have asked us to partner with you in that work. Empower us today to be the real church of Jesus. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.